You are Locked On Boston College, your daily podcast on the Boston College Eagles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. on Boston College. This is AJ Black. I want to thank everyone who's listened. This is the end of our first week of episodes. We've done five episodes uh, looking at Clemson and recruiting and Syracuse. It's been a really great first week here on Locked on Boston College. If you haven't already, please go on to any of your favorite social, um, sorry, podcasting apps. Hit that subscribe button. If you're on Apple, I want to ask you a huge favor. Just go in there and subscribe and rate us. All you have to do is hit the subscribe button halfway down the page is the star ratings. Give us five stars. Say, hey, AJ's great. I love his podcast, whatever whatever it takes, because that'll help other people find us, and it'll really help grow this podcast to a, a really special um, Boston College content provider. So today is Friday, and it's the day before Boston College in Syracuse. Now, if you are a fan and you're ready for the game, the game's at 2 p.m. It's on the RSN, which is Regional Sports Network. If you're like me, you're screwed because I have YouTube TV. I got it for ACC Network, and YouTube TV just dropped Nesson. So I don't have that. Um, I am going to figure out something for tomorrow. I will either get my parents' password to watch their Nesson, or I will you know, do a trial membership on something else just so I can get it. Um, but I, I, I want to talk a little bit about this cable stuff because it's crazy. And, you know, a couple of years ago, it was all the rage was this cord cutting. You could get away from spending hundreds of dollars on your cable bill and you were able to get you know all this great deals it was real cheap you got all the the channels that every other service provider had and it was awesome now you know i had playstation view when it first started they went out of business now youtube tv is like kicking off all their sports stuff so they're gone so i'm looking into figuring something else out i have no clue what that's going to be but um, I'm really disappointed in YouTube TV and Nesson that they couldn't figure that out because they jacked up my price $15 a month um, over the summer. So you, you figure they'd have the money to do that. And you know YouTube is run by Google. It's not like they're poor or anything. So side little tangent. Uh, uh, <laughs> that's our little side tangent about cable to start it off. Anyways, one in six Syracuse against four and three Boston College. There's been all sorts of articles out there this week about these are two programs going in completely different directions. I don't see it that way, though. Um, you know, Dino Babers two years ago was a coach that was on the rise. You know, he was 10 and three one year and, you know, a top 25 team. He had Eric Dungy, one of the best quarterbacks in the ACC, and they looked unbeatable. They were, you know, they were playing that tempo offense. and They were doing everything right. But then last year, the injury bug hit, and this year, it's just been a mess. And I, I have to, you know, I, I'll give him credit because I, I think he's a good coach. Um, I think some of this has to do with injuries. And you know what? We're going to get more into that later. On our third segment today, we have Locked On Syracuse coming on. We have Tim Reynolds, one of the hosts of the show, coming on to talk about Syracuse and the challenges that they faced over the last two years. 
Um, but back to Syracuse, you know, this is a team that's been a, a rival of Boston College. You know, we talked about that with Dan Rubin yesterday. You know, they have had their moments, whether it was with Donovan McNabb or um, Diamond Ferry or, you know, BC returning the favor like last year when they had 600, almost 600 yards against Dino Baber's squad. Um, this is, a, you know, it's a Northeast rivalry game, a, a series that has history. It's always fun to watch. Um, and you, you never know what to expect. Now, Boston College is a two-touchdown favorite. If you're going to bet in Vegas, I think it's at negative 13.5, which means BC's got to score two touchdowns more than Syracuse for you to cover. That's a big spread. But as Eric Hoffs is going to tell us in the second segment today, that spread has a reason. <laughs> you're going to look at Syracuse's depth, and you're going to find out they're missing quite a few players. I think at one point... They were they're they've been down as many as twenty five different players um, due to injuries, opt outs, or other reasons. Um, so they're a team that just just hasn't had it come through this year. And um, y- you want to see them face BC well, um, but here's my prediction: I think Boston College just lines up way too well. We saw them beat them up last year. You know, it's the same offensive line, basically, that beat them up last year. This is going to be their game. This is going to be all about that offensive line. And I I expect a big game out of David Bailey because Syracuse is dead last in the ACC in rushing defense. So they're going to struggle just like they struggled last year. I see no reason why this game can't look like it did against Georgia Tech, where BC just lays it on with the running attack and just pushes them around and doesn't need to rely on Djokovic getting hit and taking like 50, 50 to 55 passes like some of those other games. Save him for, for Notre Dame and, and and establish that run and get that running game going. They're going to be without Patrick Garwo. Garwo is going to be out until closer to the end of the year, Halfley said last week. Uh, so it's going to be Travis Levy and uh, David Bailey basically getting most of the touches. I don't foresee a third running back. Out of, uh, on top of that, you know, you might see Andre Hines, but I don't. I just think they'll probably rely on the two of them. So I think the offense is just going to dominate, and the defense—they're not going to have to do all that much. Rex Culpepper, as we'll hear later from Locked On Syracuse, is not a, a particularly effective quarterback. He has a—he has a great story. He's a cancer survivor. It's awesome that he's on the field, but his his statistics don't really um, really parse out a really. Uh, efficient ACC quarterback. He has a completion rating around 43%. He throws a ton of interceptions. So if he's in there, the defense won't have to do all that much. And that's good. Um, their, their offense for Syracuse has been pretty putrid this year. Again, just, just like the defense, they're pretty close to last in all statistical categories. So I think BC is going to roll. Um, if you were to ask me earlier this week when I was just kind of going through some of this stuff, I was like, oh, it's a rivalry game. I think Syracuse could really stay close. You know, it could be like a 10 or 11 point game and Syracuse could cover. Uh, the more the week has gone on, the less I believe that now. I think BC is going to win big. I think they're going to easily cover 14. Um, I would say they're going to probably win somewhere in the range of 24 to 28 points, sort of similar to what we saw with Georgia Tech. Um, but Georgia Tech has a more efficient offense than Syracuse, so it could just be a big blowout. Um, I just think BC is is in way too good of shape uh, to let Syracuse hang around. I don't see um, Notre Dame, the Eagles, looking ahead to Notre Dame. You know, Jeff Halfley. This will be one of those things where we have to look to see if he's looking ahead. I don't. He is such. He's talked about it. How they take every game 
one at a time. I don't see him being undisciplined and, and letting the players look ahead. So I think BC is going to go up there, business-like, take care of business, and uh, escape – not escape, easily win that game. So I'll give you my official score on the site tomorrow. If you haven't checked it out already, I'm the host of this podcast. I do this five days a week. But I also um, am the editor of bcbulletin.com. So it's SI, Sports Illustrated's BC site. I write mostly everything on there. So there's a ton of content this week about Boston College and Syracuse. You can read about Trill Williams um, opting out for Syracuse. You can get my final thoughts and predictions. You can get Jeff Halfley's uh, press conference. There's a ton of different things you can learn about uh, this game. So head over to bcbulletin.com and uh, become a, a commenter. If you have thoughts about the game or if you're thinking like, hey, AJ, you said this and I don't agree with you, let me have it. I'm totally fine with that. I like differences of opinion. Uh, just keep it clean and we'll have fun. And uh, it's going to be, I think it's going to be a chill weekend. And you know what else is chill? Ice cold Coors Light. Coors Light is that moment, that beer that you take when you need that moment just to chill. And it's been a long week, you know, with the election and sports and all sorts of things going on. When you have work on top of all that, family obligations, you just need a moment to hit that, turn everything off, hit that reset button. And that's the time when you should reach for Coors Light because it's made to chill. Now, Coors Light wants you to know that when no matter what sports are on this fall, maybe you are rooting for, maybe you're not a Boston College fan and not rooting for the Eagles, and you're a team, you're rooting for Louisville, and they had their game canceled this week. That shouldn't matter. If you're just going to chill and watch some sports, Coors Light is perfect for that. It's the official beer of watching any sport just to drink beer. So flip through the channels, find a sport, and crack open an ice cold Coors Light. Coors Light is a cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. And, you know, I last night was watching uh, some election coverage, and I just needed a moment to relax. And so I cracked a nice cold Coors Light, and it was perfect. So Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. When you need to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door at get.coorslight.com. Again, that's get.coorslight.com. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Now with Locked On Boston College, we have Eric Hofsis, who is a co-host who joins us twice a week to talk the previous game and review uh, preview the game coming up. Eric, we're going to talk a little bit about Syracuse today. How you doing? I'm doing good, AJ. How you doing? Hey, I'm hanging in there. It's been a crazy week. It feels like it's still Tuesday. Um, we're not. We don't talk politics here. So, um, you know. So this week we've talked to Dan. We had Dan Rubin on yesterday, and we've had uh, you know different discussions about Syracuse. What are your thoughts going into this game? How's Dan Rubin doing? He's doing great. I talked to him. Uh, you know, he did a whole segment with me about the, the history of Syracuse and BC. If you haven't caught it, check the Thursday's episode out. Oh, I'll have to listen to it. So, All right, back to business. What would you yeah, ask me? So, yeah, what I was asking you, Eric, we're talking about Syracuse. They're one in six. They're, you know, not very strong in terms of their play so far in the ACC. But a lot of that, you know, you can look at injuries. You can look at guys that have opted out. I mean, just yesterday or on Wednesday, excuse me, Trill Williams, their NFL caliber uh, slot corner, uh, also opted out. What are your thoughts on Syracuse so far? I'm kind of fascinated by Syracuse uh, 
kind of first from like a big picture perspective because probably like two years ago, Dino Babers could have got out of Cuse and probably got like, I, I don't know, maybe like uh, above average college football job. Like he, it looked like he had that program rocking and rolling and he was ready to jump to like um, Auburn. I thought I remember hearing his name. Yeah. Before. Like, and like, I think he stuck around because last year, the te- like he kind of had, they had a great year two years ago. And then last year, most of the team came back and um, I think, you know, they kind of had some issues like they did this year. Uh, last year, I remember they had a ton of offensive linemen hurt and that really set the offense back and kind of negated all the different weapons they had. And now this year, I think I, I remember reading at the start of the year, they had like uh, a tight end playing offensive line. They were so, so shorthanded and that's, that's what I'm amazed at looking at the Syracuse, um, you know, watching them and also looking through their statistics there. I, I mean, they're last in the ACC in almost every offensive category you can think of, whether it's yards per game, yards per play, passing game, like they're dead last in almost everything. And it's just amazing to me because Babers was thought of uh, as this like offensive genius and maybe he still is. And this is just an off year, but like, Wow, I, it's just you go through the you go through the numbers, and it's it's just amazing how poor the Syracuse offense is. Yeah, it, and it doesn't sound like it's going to get any better. Um, there's talk that it could be Rex Culpepper or it could be J- true freshman Jacoby and Morgan starting on Saturday against Boston College. But you know, Culpepper, he's a he's a upperclassman. I think he's a senior. He, you watch watch him play. He doesn't have the most dynamic arm. And you see, you see Morgan, and he's a true freshman, so he's going to make mistakes. It's, you know, he came in against. I, I know Syracuse fans are all about him playing because he came in against Wake Forest at the end of a blowout and went seven for seven for a touchdown. But as Dino Baber said, you know, it, 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 you know, Wake Forest was playing a soft zone on him the whole game because they just wanted to kind of get the game to end, and uh, so it's not really like you can take a lot out of that. Now, no, and if I'm if I'm a BC fan, I'm praying Culpepper plays because he's he's just like a classic backup college quarterback that's an upperclassman. Like he doesn't bring a lot to the table. Like you know, if you need him to come in for like a quarter or two, like he can kind of hold the ship afloat um, in a pinch. But when you got to play him for an entire game in the ACC, I, I, I've watched this guy, and it's just it, it's just not happening. He's he's above his head. He doesn't, uh, you know. He, just one of those guys you can tell that just really shouldn't be playing at this level, like more than like, you know, like I said, like in a pinch in a quarter or two, like he's just, he's just above his head. Yeah. And now let's switch to the defensive side of the ball, which hasn't, isn't as bad, but still is not doing all that great. And no, um, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Sorry to cut you off, but yeah, you know, and then that, that's, it's funny because, uh, that's what kind of held Syracuse back the last couple of years, especially two years ago from kind of being like, um, you know, a kind of above average team to like, a, a, I don't know, they, they almost would have been a really good team if they had like any kind of defense for a couple of years there under Babers. And now this year, uh, you know, it's much the same. It Statistically, they're not as horrible as they've been in the past, but um, I, I don't know whether a tribute, that to an improvement in the defense or just like they find themselves in blowouts a lot where the other team kind of takes their foot off the gas a little bit. 
Um, so that might work itself in the statistics a bit. But like you alluded to a minute ago, uh, you know, they lost their, their best, best player from the secondary, leaving early for the NFL draft, opting, opting out. And the, he might actually be the best player in the whole defense. So it's kind of the last thing Syracuse needed in a season that's really headed nowhere. Yeah, and that's that's their second big defensive back they lost. Andre Sisco also opted out uh, a couple weeks ago as well, that's right. heading out to the NFL. They also had a linebacker that opted out. So this defense is a team that they struggle big time against the run. They run a three-three-five defense. They have a new defensive coordinator, Tony White, who took over after Syracuse fired their last defensive coordinator after Steve Adazio's offense put up 600 yards against them last year. Um, Eric... Do you see, when you look at this defense of Syracuse, do you think BC is going to have any problems putting up points? They shouldn't, as long as, as, long as they take this game um, seriously. You know, um, the, the, like you said, Syracuse already had kind of a mediocre defense, and it's, it's, only, it, it's only getting worse with, with this latest opt-out on top of the other opt-outs that they've had. I mean, I... Honestly, the, the only reason, the only thing that's going to stop BC from hanging, you know, 35, 40, maybe even 50 points on this defense is if, if the team's looking ahead to Notre Dame next week, that, that's the only thing that's going to stop them. I mean, BC should, it, it's, it's uh, funny, we've, we've said all year about Halfley and, and the coaching staff, you know, they kind of, it, it's interesting. They they don't just kind of throw the same game plan together every week like Adazio did. They they really try and match their strength against the other team's weakness. And and uh, honestly, Syracuse entire de- I don't know what the Syracuse defensive strength is because I'm not seeing it. So it'll be interesting to see how how BC attacks them. I think they really can do whatever they want against Syracuse, and, and maybe that means they're going to try and get the running game. Uh, uh, to improve and, and keep heading in the right direction. I'm not really sure, but um, th- there's really no excuse for BC not to hang like a 35 spot on Syracuse this weekend, if not more. Yes, it, uh, it definitely, um, I had the game at around 10 points, um, but with Trill Williams and then doing a little bit more research, um, I got to, I got to up my, my prediction, which I'll give out on the website later tomorrow uh, today. It's funny Eric- you say that because um I was going to say, I, when I saw the Vegas point spread come out at 14 points, my initial thought was like, wow, that's really high for BC as a road favorite. Um, but when you start digging into the numbers and stuff like you said and, and looking at all the guys that opted out, it's like, wow, this Syracuse team is really bad. Yeah. So uh, what are you predicting for Saturday, Eric? Let's get your prediction. Um, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not buying like that it's some kind of like rivalry game that's going to keep it close or any of that stuff. Like, I, I don't know, under Halfley now, I kind of have this weird new confidence and expectation of BC. Um, I, I think BC should really pound this team. Um, I'm thinking like a 42 to 17 kind of outcome. It's like I said, the, the only, the only way, the only way I can even see Q's keeping this close is a uh, BC that the kids looking ahead to that Notre Dame game, which, Hey, they're college athletes. Like that happens all the time in college football. So it's, it's entirely possible. And number two, if Syracuse doesn't go with Culpepper and goes with the freshman QB, that's 
that's always a wild card scenario and they don't excuse me they don't have a lot of tape on this guy so uh, that's that's a wild card scenario as well but but really BC should handle these guys I mean it's it, like I said I, I'm thinking like a 42 to 17 kind of game all right and now I have two quick questions for you I have two more predictions for you to make and I know one of the answers you're going to already give Notre Dame and Clemson number one versus number four who do you got on Saturday Oh, I got Clemson by a couple touchdowns. I've, I've, uh, I've, I've been pretty consistent all year in that. I think Notre Dame is just so overrated for for their ranking. Like they're they're a pretty good club. Like, but like I keep saying, they're more like a top fifteen, top twenty kind of team, not a top five team. I, I think, I think, I think Clemson's going to win by a couple touchdowns, uh, even without without Trevor Lawrence. I hope they don't, because I'd love a undefeated Notre Dame team to play BC next week and have BC kind of wreck their season. But uh, I, I don't think that's happening. Okay. And then my final one is it's the world's largest outdoor cocktail party between Florida and Georgia. Always a fun game to watch. Who do you have in that game? I actually like, I actually like uh, Florida. Georgia has some key players out um, on defense and that, that defense is kind of what holds that team together. And uh, I, I think Florida is going to, pull off the upset here i do like kyle trask at quarterback i think he's one of the top five qbs in the country all right great thanks for as always eric we'll see you next week when we'll review we'll do a re- review of the syracuse game and preview notre dame you can follow eric on twitter at ej hoffsis and check out his barbecue at hoffa bbq on all the major social media platforms eric thanks again thank you aj all right when we're back Next up, we have Locked On Syracuse, who's going to come in and talk about what Syracuse should bring against Boston College on Saturday. This is Locked On Boston College. This is AJ Black. I am joined right now by Tim Leonard of Locked On Syracuse. You can follow him at LO underscore Syracuse. Tim, how are you doing? Doing good. Excited to see what, what we get this weekend in the Syracuse-BC game. But Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, this is a historic matchup. This is 96 years of, of football with, I think this is the 53rd uh, meeting between Boston College and Syracuse. Uh, now, you know, as a older fan, I was there when, and I talked about this yesterday with my co-host Dan Rubin, or my guest Dan Rubin, uh, about the Diamond Ferry game. 2004, when BC was on the verge of going to the Fiesta Bowl, they were leaving mm-hmm. the AC, uh, they were leaving the Big East and all they had to do was win that game, and they would be going to a, you know, a New Year's Bowl, and Syracuse pounded them. It was one of the worst games, and it was 15 years ago, and I still remember every <laughs> moment of that game. Matt Ryan's first start, it was awful. Anyways, so now the tables have kind of turned a little bit. Yeah, I'd Syracuse, say so. <laughs> Syracuse is struggling. They're one and six. You know, you've lost your starting quarterback, Tommy DeVito's out, Andre Sisco, and Trill Williams who just announced yesterday that he's um, heading to the NFL. What's going on? Is, is, is the polish, you know, is, is Dino Babers losing his polish or are they just hitting a rough patch in their, in their, uh, you know, their cycle in terms of where they're at as a program? It's definitely injuries and opt-outs has been a big thing for sure. I mean, last week when Syracuse, uh, was facing and they, they had their six string running back out on the field in Cooper Lutz. And that's because of opt outs to your top two running backs and then injuries down on there. Now, Sean Tucker might be back for this BC game. And he's actually been kind of a revelation for them as a freshman 
at running back so far, but he entered the off season in the training camp as running back five. So that kind of puts into perspective what they've dealt with in terms of injuries. I think at one point it was 15 or 16 starters down for Cuse on injuries and opt-outs. And it's at key positions too. You mentioned Tommy DeVito. He's kind of been underwhelming to most fans considering he was a four-star recruit coming in and we probably all expected a little bit better things from him at this point in his career. I remember like, when he, I remember when he committed, he, you know, they had that big picture of him in a throne and. Yeah. It things. was a huge deal. Yeah. yeah. And it's, yeah. it's been a shame because they really haven't gotten anything out of the quarterback position recruiting wise since then. And that's really showing now that DeVito got hurt. I think he was hurting in the Duke game, which was early on. And he's been banged up really all throughout his Syracuse career, unfortunately. So now he's officially out for the year, and you go to Rex Culpepper for Cuse, who is a guy that doesn't have a whole lot of talent, frankly, at the quarterback position, and even at one point considered going to tight end, which kind of puts that into perspective a little bit. And he's been out there for three or four games now, and Rex is a kid who you know is going to give you a 100% effort, but he just doesn't have the arm talent or the accuracy that you're looking for from a division one quarterback and he's really struggled. And now we're at a point where the fan base is kind of clamoring for them to go deeper down the depth chart to a freshman quarterback. And we did see finally Jacoby and Morgan, who's one of the two freshmen that we figured would be kind of next in line at quarterback. He came in late stages of Syracuse's last game and went seven for seven against Wake Forest in his lone drive and ended up scoring a touchdown. So we saw some good things there, and the question really from this point on is how much are we going to see Morgan at quarterback the rest of the year, and how much is Dino going to stick with Rex Culpepper, who's been very underwhelming? Now, it's from what I've read, Babers hasn't been – he's still committed to Culpepper, correct? Yes, and he's, he's kind of funny in the press conferences. You're never going to get a straightforward, this is our guy, because he's very – very into not giving away information to the opponent. And that's what he said in the press conference on Monday this week. Someone asked him, what'd you make a Jacobian? And he's kind of downplaying the situation and saying, well, it was, you know, very lax coverage from Wake Forest. And he kind of just went out there. He didn't drop the snap and he did what he was supposed to do. Now, Syracuse fans were very impressed with what they saw from Jacobian Morgan. It was a pretty easy situation for him to succeed, given that the game was out of hand and Wake Forest was basically allowing his first read to be open on most throws. But if you're a Syracuse fan, anything is improvement from what you've seen from Rex Culpepper. So Dino saying being noncommittal on switching from Rex Culpepper could mean that he really does think Rex Culpepper gives them the best chance of winning. That's a possibility. And also he's been pretty vocal about the fact that Jacobian is not up to speed 100% on the playbook so far and Rex gives them the full playbook because he's a fifth-year guy and he's been with Dino for a while and knows that system. But it also could be, and I think this is what Syracuse fans are hoping for, it could be that he just doesn't want to give BC the knowledge that, that Jacobian is going to start or Jacobian's going to play a good amount of the game against Boston College. And we'll see. I mean, it's very up in the air. I think most fans would want Jacoby and Morgan to be out there after what we've seen from Rex Culpepper, but we don't really know where Dino's at right now. So last time Boston College played Syracuse, it was uh, not pretty for the Orange. Uh, no. Boston College put up 
589 yards against Syracuse, and Syracuse fired their defensive coordinator on Monday. Now, Tony White has come in, and he's brought in a new defensive scheme. It's a 3-3-5 defense. Um, What have you seen so far out of that defense? I know you've lost two of your main players in Cisco and and Williams, but what what have you seen in terms of room for, you know, growth and, and the positives and negatives out of Tony White so far? So it's kind of an interesting answer, but they, I think most Syracuse fans are very optimistic in Tony White and they like what they've seen from Tony White because the first two or three games of the year, the defense was actually really keeping Syracuse in games. And the thing about the Syracuse defense is they force a ton of turnovers. And that's been the case for now the last three or four years of the Dino Babers era. I think they're still tops in the country right now in turnovers forced and turnover margin going into this game. So it's kind of amazing that they're one in six and they've had so many turnovers on their side. The defense has, as competition has sort of stiffened up and we've gotten more into the season and maybe teams have got an opportunity to see tape of the three, three, five, it has struggled more and more specifically against the run. They've gotten gashed a couple of times like BC did to them last year. But that is more, I think, if you were to ask a Syracuse fan, more based on the injuries and sort of the lack of talent and depth that they have on defense right now. I would say overall people are optimistic about the 3-3-5. Our defensive line just lacks sort of personnel right now. And then our secondary was supposed to be kind of our calling card this entire season. And they're down about four or five injuries in the secondary, which right now Rob Hanna's back there at safety and he seems to be doing pretty well. He's a true freshman that I think a lot of people are optimistic about going forward, but he's only 165 pounds because he just got to campus and he hasn't gone through the training and everything and gotten to the point where he's put on some weight. So that's a troublesome spot is when the, when the running backs can get to the second level, Syracuse has really struggled to make tackles. This is Tim Leonard from Locked On Syracuse. Tim, last question. You know, it's four and three BC. BC seems to have some momentum. Syracuse is struggling this year, you know, but it's a rivalry game. As I said earlier, this, anything could happen. What do you see Syracuse needing to do in order to win on uh, against Boston college? Well, hopefully they, I think most Syracuse fans, like I said, would like to see Jacoby and Morgan, and then hopefully they get Sean Tucker back on offense because I think the biggest concern for SU in this game is BC, as you know, is kind of not the typical BC team. They can score points. And the concern is, can Syracuse keep up with them? Because right now they have the worst offense, basically, in Power 5. I think it's 100 out of 103 eligible schools in the country on yards per game. And honestly, the three schools that are behind them have only played one or two games. So you could honestly make a pretty firm case that Syracuse yards per game is the worst team in the country right now they've really struggled to move the ball because their offensive line has struggled to protect the quarterback and they don't have a lot of talented playmakers at the wide receiver position and the quarterback issues that we've talked about so they've got to get something going on the ground if it's Sean Tucker that helps them out a lot because he has been kind of their only bright spot offensively throughout this year if he is back if it's Cooper Lutz he actually was pretty good against Wake Forest despite being running back six And there's been some signs of the run game improving. So that would be the key for me is try and get the run game established. And then maybe they could kind of compete with BC in some type of shootout, but they have to get the run game in this game. 
This is uh, Tim Leonard of Locked On Syracuse. Tim, thank you for coming on. Make sure you throw him a follow and on Twitter at LO underscore Syracuse, and you can subscribe on any of the um, podcast apps to get more on Syracuse. And I'm sure when we'll, we'll talk more about basketball when we get closer to that. And um, I'll be the one talking about what BC is going to need to do to actually win. <laughs> yeah. That's anyways, what Syracuse fans are hoping for. We need yeah, basketball so, to come through. <laughs> we'll talk about BC basketball versus Syracuse later on down the road. Tim, thanks for coming on. Yeah. Appreciate it, AJ.